Hey there. First of all, I want to apologize for the background noise. Uh, time's a little tight this week, and I am recording in my car on my way to pick up my daughter from work. So I just hope you accept my apologies for the whirring of my snow tires when there's no snow and the gravel hitting my car, etc., etc. But here we go. This is episode 10. I can't believe that I have been doing this for 10 weeks. Oh my goodness, God. It's been a scary ride so far, but I am still very excited for what's to come in the days ahead. Every week seems to be different, and I honestly seek what I am supposed to talk about, and I trust that God has it on the forefront of my heart. So, here we go. Today, I am going to share with you a vision that I had, and that isn't unusual, I know. This vision happened while I was at, again, a Catch the Fire conference, and let me tell you, you know, I don't know what's going on at Catch the Fire now in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, but I can tell you in the 90s and late 90s and early 20s, there was a revival happening there. The presence of God was breaking out all over the place. People were doing amazing things. And there was a lot of controversy and a lot of... um you know, negative comments. But who can determine which way a human will move when the power of God touches them? Who can determine what sounds they will make when the presence of God fills them? Nobody. Nobody can. Any more then when electricity hits water, there is no way to determine which way that wire and that power will jump and hit or what it hits by what noises it will make. So we shouldn't judge what happens when the power of God touches somebody. Just be in awe and be grateful that they are having an encounter with the Almighty. Yes. And amen. So, this is the kind of thing that was happening. And when a speaker is finished, or was finished speaking at Catch the Fire conference, they asked anyone who wanted ministry to line up at the lines in the big auditorium. And you waited your turn. And they had ministry teams. It was very rare if the speaker ever was the one who prayed for you. And it, I'm telling you people, it just didn't matter who prayed for you, who touched you, if anyone did, because the presence of God, the power of God, was so strong in those meetings and in that building that you didn't need any human to touch you, to speak to you. Most of my encounters that catch the fire where when I was all alone, not another human was touching me or talking to me, 
praying with me. And this was the case at this experience. Here I was, standing on my line, waiting for a ministry team to come around. And I honestly don't remember whether one had actually made it to me in time or I had fallen under the power again to the floor without any human intervention. But it really doesn't matter. Because what happened when I fell on that floor was I was instantly in another realm. I was a very little girl with the appearance of a three-year-old, with the emotion of a three-year-old, and here I am at the feet of my father as he's sitting in a throne, I guess, and I am looking at him with my hands behind my back and, you know, I'm that sheepishly little child wondering if I dare to say or do anything. But this is my heavenly father. And he speaks to me and he says, come up here. And let me tell you, right now, I remember that was the conference that I was at. They had a conference and the title of the conference was come up here. It was based on a scripture from Revelations. And so, when I heard in my vision, my Heavenly Father say, come up here, as a three-year-old little girl, I climbed excitedly up onto his lap. I laid my head on his chest, and I rested in his love. I was overjoyed. And he spoke words to me that he loved me. So much. I was so beautiful. He wanted to, me to know that he paid for me. He bought me. I am his. I am adopted forever and eternity. And I was relishing in this love. And he brushed my hair, as I remember my own mother doing as a young child. And I, with his hand, I mean, not a hairbrush. <laughs> and then I remember him saying to me, I have so much for you, but you won't receive it. I looked at him in, in astonishment. I won't receive it. What? Father, I'll take, I'll take anything and everything that you have for me. He chuckled and said, yes, my daughter. In this realm, it is easy for you to receive. But when you are on earth, you are not like that. Most of my children are not like that. They hide in, in shame and unworthiness, and they don't believe that they are worthy of the gifts that I have for them, and they won't receive. Or they don't believe that I have any gift for them at all, that they should live in some kind of humility and poverty, and that is not for my kingdom child. You, my daughter, have a storeroom of treasures piled up waiting for you to receive them. You have to believe to receive. I know that I had a confused look upon my face 
because it was so easy in that realm to believe. So he said, come with me. Let's walk. I jumped down, and he took my tiny hand in his, and we began to walk. But I was mesmerized by the path that we were on, the the street, the hallway. I, I don't even know what it was. But it was like I was walking on the most beautiful liquid olive oil that I had ever seen in my life. But I knew it wasn't olive oil. It looked like liquid gold. But yet, it was transparent as well. It moved. It flowed. It looked as if it was breathing. I was astonished. And with every step, I thought my foot would go through or at least be wet. And it didn't. And we walked until we came into what looked like a very long hallway, as far as I could see. And there were many doors on each side of this hall. We continued to walk on this liquid gold down amongst the doors. Every door was arched in what looked like the most beautiful carved stone I had ever seen. But I knew somehow that they weren't stone. They were some kind of jewels or blocks of silver or a combination of both. There was no earthly words I knew to describe the colors. And they, too, looked alive as if they were breathing, flowing. And every door had grains upon it as if they were wood, but I knew they were not wood. They were the wood grain in these doors were of purples and reds and and blues, and they, too, were colors that were living and breathing. It was so mesmerizing, so hard to understand with my earthly mind. And again, the father would chuckle as we walked along, and he saw my awe through my young eyes. Just as we on earth, when we look at our children or our grandchildren and we see how excited they are with something new as they are, you know, at their little age, one, two, and three, they're just so mesmerized with the, the life of a, a butterfly or a dragonfly, you know, all these things. And that is how I felt. And that is what I'm sure the father saw as I looked at these doors and every door had writing on it which I'm sure was Hebrew names, Hebrew writing I didn't understand any of them and we walked and we walked as I looked and I looked and then suddenly the father stopped he said we're here we're here I said where are we He said, we are at your door. I looked at this door, and it looked the same as all the others, with the Hebrew language on it, and me not knowing what it was. And he said, that's your name. That's the new name that I've written down in glory. Oh, that's true? We receive a new name? Yes, my child. The new name I have given you, because I have adopted you. You have become born from above. And as I looked, 
he said, open the door. I looked at the doorknob, and it was the most beautiful opal I had ever seen. It was so shiny and translucent and and whites and creams and golds and silvers all intertwined with one another that maybe it was an opal, maybe it wasn't. But I was quite sure when I put my hand on that doorknob that my hand would just melt into a liquid substance. But it did not. It turned in my hand and I pushed the door open I could see into this big room and it was piled with so many things that I couldn't even understand what they were. Some of them I know I recognize, but many of them I don't and I don't remember those now. But there was a path cleared to the back wall center of this room and there looked to be a glass display case like one would see in a museum displaying a valuable piece. And I could see that this glass display cabinet was kind of front and center, and it lit up like nothing else in the room. And I said, Father, what is that? He said, Oh, my child, that's your greatest treasure of all. I was in awe again. And I said, can I go see it? Yes, yes, my child. So I walked ever so carefully to that display cabinet. And I'm kind of surprised that I didn't run with the excitement of a three-year-old. But I felt as if I needed to approach it with honor and with gentleness. And I didn't really understand why at the time. But as I got closer, I could see this red glowing and pulsing. And I got closer and closer. And I looked down into this cabinet, and there are no earthly words to describe the most beautiful heart I have ever seen cut from red ruby and translucent and bright and shining with so many different shades of red. And it was beating like that of a human heart. I could not take my eyes from it. And I said, Father, what is it? And he said, it is your greatest treasure. Yes, I know, but what is it? He said, oh, my child, it is my heart. And that, my friends, was the end of the vision. Now, I know that there's a scripture in Jeremiah that talks about when you search me with my with your whole heart, you will find. There's a scripture in Ezekiel that says, I will take your stony heart and I will give you a new heart, a heart of flesh. Neither of those are talking of this. This podcast, I say over and over, my title is, I I, I want you to believe. I want you to believe. I want you to steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provision. That this is the message with Kimberly. And I'm telling you what I want you to believe more than anything on this earth. 
is that you are loved by your Heavenly Father. He loved you so much that He sent His one and only Son to die a horrible death to pay for your sin. We didn't get what we deserved. If we do get what we deserve, we would be going to hell. The Bible is very clear that none of our righteousness, none of our goodness, none of our good deeds, nothing that we have, nothing that we are, is good enough to enter heaven. But God, do you hear me? But God sent His Son, His only Son that He must have loved so very, very much, to come to this earth to live a life, to show his character and his love and the miracles and the signs and the wonders, the forgiveness of so many people that were looked down upon in society. And he showed his love and his forgiveness onto them. And he shows it to you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter where you are, and it doesn't matter where you've been. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. What does he ask of you? He asks that you believe, that you believe that he loves you. That you believe that he wants to purchase you. He wants you to lay down your life, surrender, not in a way that is death, but in a way that is life, life more abundantly than you can ever imagine, hope or dream. What you need to believe, that love, that purchase. And you need to believe that He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to come to Him daily. It turns out to be a lifestyle, not a routine. Your heart beats with His. And you seek Him. And you believe that He hears you that he cares for you and that he speaks to you that he communicates with you you are his child he is your father that's what it's to be your greatest treasure is his heart and you are his greatest treasure that's why he bought you Until next time, be blessed and be a blessing.